You guys know how supporting local businesses is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It is a game day here, but maybe more importantly... We did set a bit of a deadline that if Miko Rantanen was not signed by game two of the preseason, it would start to become an issue. And here we are. Game two is hours away. Miko, it sounds like, isn't even that close to getting signed. AJ, I've seen you said you might be a little bit worried at this point on Twitter. Is it time to start ringing a few alarms? Yeah, I think I think it definitely is. Um and I would say that the maybe the number one factor that has me uh, nervous more than anything else is the immigration process. Right. We've seen a couple of guys. It's taken multiple weeks now to get through. Exactly. And, <clears throat> you know, that's we I, I don't know if it's related, but, you know, we saw obviously Nachushkin had issues with his passport. Yeah, very true. And, you know, it, it just seems to be uh, an issue that is coming up this year that hasn't been much of a problem in the past. Uh, I actually did talk to a couple of the abs this morning about it, uh, about how the immigration process worked for them. And if it took them a little bit longer, uh, you know, the normal to get in to, to, to get into the United States and to go through everything. And a couple of them said, yeah, that, that getting the paperwork done. And, you know, even though the team handles most of those arrangements for them, it still took, more time than it normally has in the past. And that's the number one reason why I'm concerned is because even if they sign that contract today, you know, we go to the game tonight and we are doing one of those, you know, the kind of like when they re-signed Eric Johnson to his deal, 
and we had to after the first period we went and talked to Sackick and it was really weird and it was just sort of like wow this is okay this is a thing and you know that that gets done today you know there's we are 2 weeks from opening night if it takes him 10 days to get into the country preseason's over right and like that's great he's here for opening night that's what really matters but he's coming in totally cold with no no game shape whatsoever yeah and that's that's a concern and that's that's if they sign today right and just to be fair he is practicing in switzerland like you said though that is not a game situation it's not nhl caliber competition it's not getting that chemistry going with his line mates again yeah um way 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 different right uh, practicing and staying in shape and all that. That's a different than NHL speed. Very much and then, so. And then a game, you know, and even the preseason is different. You know, it takes, it takes everybody a couple of games. Oh man. You know, to, to get to where they're all comfortable. Well, this is NHL speed. I'm back. Okay. Got, got it. Like we're, we're all up and running at the same time. You know, it, it honestly, it takes everybody a little bit of time to get, and that's after going through preseason. A guy that doesn't go through preseason, well, you know, look at William Nylander last year. Yeah, signed on December 1st and struggled for the entire rest of the season, basically because of how much time he was out. Yeah, a total disaster of a season, a totally lost season, all in the name of getting a contract signed. Now, if he... Miko Rantanen misses the two games in the regular season. I'm not saying he's going to be William Nylander, but if this thing stretches on, it's fair to wonder what the adverse effects are. Because we saw from Nylander last year, there was no catching up. He did not drop in and just, oh, tear it up. Yeah, very true. It was, you know, it. He he was just not the same guy until World Championship time, where he was like weirdly like dominant. The the interesting part of this conversation for me now is last week, we finally got our comparable. Seemed like the RFA market had been waiting for Mitch Marner to sign, and that kind of set everything. He signed at 10 point, almost 9 million. A couple of deals ended up getting done very shortly after that. Rantanen's is still sitting here, and... It's a bit of a tough situation. I I do wonder if the Avs were kind of waiting for this and then they saw the number it ended up being and didn't like it. That's on them. Right. I I fully agree. You if you're gambling on waiting for the market to get set, then you're stuck with whatever it ends up at. But you can't turn around and say all summer, "Well, hey, we're waiting on things to shake out." You know, we just want to see how it all plays out and how you know, this whole thing, uh, how the whole market kind of takes shape and what it looks like. And then when it takes shape and then say, well, we don't like that. If you're waiting on the market, you're at the mercy to your, uh, you're at the mercy of the market. Can't have it both ways. Exactly. You, if you wanted to set the market, you could have done it any time at the summer. So right, you could have, you know, if you had an, if you had a price range in mind, you should have been hammering that away in August. Yep. You shouldn't have been sitting around waiting for Mitch Marner to sign. And hey, I didn't have any issue with them waiting. I don't I I don't mind a team that waits on the market, but once it gets set, you know, and that's what you that's what you have openly been waiting for, where you've said multiple times, hey, we're just kind of waiting to see how things take shape. 
they took shape. Right. You've got to react. Of course, once it takes shape, Miko's agent is going to come to the app and say, Marner got 10.9. We want 10.9. That's You had to know that was coming. Hey, I can understand the abs being like, there's some sticker shock there. Don't like 10.9. Yeah. I can understand them saying, don't like 10.5. But, but at the end of the day, that's where the market fell. But I mean, you can't, at this point, you can no longer make an argument for 10, under 10. Right. On a long-term deal. Yep. On a short-term deal, I could see them saying, well, let's go with 9.25 over three years and a qualifying offer of 13 million. Right. You know, or something like that, where they, they try and they try and, and go with the formula that we've seen these other teams go with, where they, they jack up the qualifying offer a bunch in the last year of the deal. And I could see that I could see them trying that. I would still just much <laughs> prefer the 10.5 punch in the face. You want to talk about, you want to talk about losing an argument uh, and negotiation. That's how, that's what it looks like. Right. That's that's a much bigger loss than them caving and giving 10.5 over six years. Even 11 over six years, surpass Marner and give him 11 over six years. That's less of a loss than three years. I think we are at the point of you kind of just have to do what it takes to get it done if you're the Avs. Yeah. We can get into this Marner conversation. Rantanen... You could certainly make the argument is a bit more proven having two 80-point seasons. If you look at their NHL careers, Marner does have a slightly higher points per game. Mm -hmm. The way they produce, Marner does lean on assists a little bit more. How are you trying to calculate all of these things into where their values compare? I mean, each of them have been on upward trajectories. For sure. You know, Marner just had a much better rookie season. Yep. You know, rolled in and went 61, 69, 94. Miko, 38, 84, 87. And it is worth noting, and I'm sure Mike Liute is pounding the table here, that that 38-point year ranted and led the abs in goals. Mm -hmm. So it, there's a lot of extraneous factors going into that 38 number. Well, and the other, the other big factor here is that ranted and just led the abs in postseason scoring. Yeah, came in, was injured for part of it, and still dominated. Right, 14 points in 12 games in their in their 12 playoff games, and Mitch Marner had four points in the seven-game series uh, against Boston. And the year before that, had nine points in seven games. So, and and has, you know, is he's 17 points in 20 playoff games. Rantanen is 18 and 18. Yep. So, points per game for Rantanen is higher in the postseason ever so slightly. Um, but points per game is ever so slightly higher for Marner in the regular season. This is a true comparable here. You know, you can say, you know, Marner's gone up, gone from 19 to 22 to 26 goals and then went 42, 47, 68 assists and say, well, that's a huge anomaly. But Marner, the, the teammates that he played with are all signed long term. The guys that he got 68 assists with. All those guys are going to be there. They're all signed. It's not unlike the Ranton and next to McKinnon situation, if that's what it comes down to. Right. You know, you argue, oh, well, how much is driving play? And, you know, all the underlying numbers show you that Rantanen is not an elite play driver on his own. Right. And we've always argued that that's okay. 
He doesn't have to be. Right? He doesn't have to be. You know, if he's going to average a little over a point per game every single year, you don't really need. You're not sitting there looking at his underlyings and trying to nitpick in a contract negotiation with one of your top stars. It's just not good business. It's not. And, you know, the abs have been patient and they draw their line in the sand and they, they work off their comparables and they very, very rarely move on them. And I honestly, again, I do not, I do not have an issue with their approach. Until it's now. time to get to work, right? Until now. <laughs> you At can't point, have that approach and bail. Right. When Marner signed, it was, all right, you have your market, you have your comparable, you need to go work off of that. And not the numbers that you had decided upon halfway through the summer where you weren't even talking to him. Right. Had you really wanted those numbers, you should have gone out and got them, not waited. Right. You should have done the work and grinded it out and gotten a contract done, just like Marner and the Leafs did. Although... The Leafs pretty much caved in every aspect imaginable. Marner wanted $11 million and Marner ended up getting, what was it, 10.893, yeah, 4, 5, 10. something 9. like that. Yeah. Like, the slightest of, of, of gives there by the Marner side. Otherwise, they got what they wanted. Is that the worst thing in the world, though? Would you, no. If we're talking about players that are putting up ballpark 90 points here they're worth just about every penny you know absolutely and this is this is why i'm like look if you could have gotten him at 9.2 9.5 three weeks ago that would have been done it. exactly it would have been great even even if it had just been like five years six years instead of yeah. you know trying to get seven or eight you should have done it right but now, you know, you you let the now that now that the other guys have signed and the his most his most appropriate comparable is there. And I'm of the opinion personally that Marner's a little bit better than Rantanen, but when you break them down numbers wise, they all come out so close to even. Yeah. That the Avs just don't have much of a leg to stand on to say 9.5 anymore. It would be fine. It would I would have no issues with the 9.5. I could understand why Rantanen is saying, hey, I'm I'm not about this. But at some point, both sides are going to have to decide what's really important to them. Yep. For right now, I'm on Team Miko. Yeah. Uh, just because I think, I think that the Avalanche, they rolled the dice that the Marner thing was going to drag on and that they'd be able to get it done without that happening, and they lost. And now they're backed into a corner. And instead of and instead of just saying, "Well, we lost this one," and giving in and paying their star player, who's worth every penny, as you mentioned, they are they're balking at the sticker price, and you can't do that in when when you're big game hunting when you're trying to get star players locked down long term. They were they were comfortable giving it to Panarin, who's 27 years old. And who has production that lags a little bit behind uh, what Rantanen has done the last couple of years. Granted, Panarin hasn't had a center anywhere near Nathan Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, they were willing to go a certain price for him and say, hey, we're going to go big on that. And just take that money and just give it to Miko and get this done. 
I I think that's the place to put it. And if this contract issue does continue to drag on, well, it is certainly a reason that I want to drink. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. By now, we've told you about almost all of their beers. I think the newest one on the shelves I mentioned a couple shows ago is their their Autumn Lager, which is one of their darker beers. I like it. AJ, I don't know if you've tried it yet, but if you like dark beers, I highly recommend it. If you don't like dark beers, I guess you can stick to your Strawberry Sky, which I know is like your favorite beer of all time. Yeah, a not a dark like beer. Beers. Not a yeah. dark beer guy because uh, they uh, they eat me up. Yeah, well, all right. You can stick to your Strawberry Sky then. I will. Find either of them at your local liquor store, hopefully. They are distributed far and wide at this point, but sometimes in limited stock. So go down there and and get it while you can. Like I said, any other Breckenridge beer, if you can find it, I recommend it. And keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver, where we will be having watch parties and drinking Breck beer at all of them. So please, RSVP, come out and have a good time with us, and we will be back in a second. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, we're talking Miko Rantanen's contracts. We're here in almost late September at this point. He's still not signed. You're looking at a deal in Toronto with Mitch Marner. Let's be real. He's probably overpaid a bit. Yeah, that's fine. It's just... I'll, 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 I'll give that. Yeah. I, would I don't say think it's a ton, but... Maybe 500000 Right. Exactly. Maybe seven fifty, like somewhere in there, but not enough for me to be overly upset about it. Right, it's not something that I would, you know, shout and holler about. But it does feel like it is a little bit above where the market was expected to go. How much can the Avs use that to knock down Rantanen's price? I'm not sure. A lot of people have been looking at that Toronto situation and saying, well, they have what almost 40% of their cap space involved in three players and saying that that's kind of a big issue. I know that you definitely don't agree with that. I don't. Not at all, man. You know, the, the, all of the arguments about future planning, like, yeah, you have to keep it in mind. You 100% have to keep it in mind. And I'm not saying that, oh, you just ignore this and ignore that. Like, I totally get it. But all the comparisons to Toronto are completely out of line with reality. There are three players making more than $10 million in Toronto right now. Colorado has none. Colorado's highest paid player right now, right now, is Nathan McKinnon at 6.3. So the the concern over having to pay those guys. Gabriel Landeskog is not getting $10 million on his next contract. Okay? Like, this, he doesn't have enough time to put up the seasons to justify $10 million. That's certainly fair. If he puts up 75 again this year, maybe he gets 8.5. But right now, I think he's more in that 7.5 to, to 8 range. And that's one year from now, like that they're going to be working on that extension. That negotiation starts at the end of this season. Right. So 
you know, that's if, if Landis Cog is going to recreate his career high, which by the way is a major outlier in, in his career. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe it bumps it up a little bit more, but otherwise there's just not enough time and eight points in 12 playoff games, rock solid. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a disappointment. None of that. That's solid production, especially from a guy that you don't expect to be a point per game player. Yeah, absolutely. And 19, 19 points in 25 career playoff games. Like, again, solid production, very in line with his career. But that's not getting him $10 million, So you don't have to worry about that. Nathan McKinnon most definitely is getting $10 million on his next contract. At an absolute mega minimum, I would say. <laughs> I, I have said he's, getting, he's probably getting 15 on his next contract. I certainly, I don't think that's outside the ballpark. And so you plan for 15. That's a major number. That's also four years from now. Right. That's that, that extension would start in 2023. Okay. So if, if, if Rantanen has a, gets a six year deal, that means there's only two years of overlap between those two contracts. Right. That also is four years of the salary cap continuing to grow. It is. And that includes an expansion team. Right, exactly. Where we saw the effect of that on the cap the last time. Yep. Where it took a massive leap. So this concept that, oh, well, the abs, you know, the abs have to be careful. 100% agree. But the abs have 15 million in cap space. 15.6 15.6 million in cap space. They're they've got the space. They've they've got everybody else signed. Sam Gerard on five million dollars is locked up. That's one extension done. Kale McCarr, we don't know what that looks like. Before Thomas Shabbat signed that deal, there was an argument that eight million would have been the ceiling for Kale McCarr after two years. We don't know what those two years look like. It would take, but after after Shabbat did sign today for the the eight years, uh, for eight million, after putting up eighty points in two seasons, it would take something absolutely astronomical for Kale McCarr to get ten million. And again, the Abs can negotiate that contract. They can begin negotiating that contract next summer, and they should. That's not to, that's not to say that that McCarr would be that would want that. We just saw that. The Avs tried to sign Miko Rantanen last summer to a long-term deal, and his camp said, no, we're going to wait. McCarr may do the same thing. McCarr may not. Maybe you go to McCarr next summer and you offer him eight years at $7 million, $7.5 million, and he just says, all right, well, that's a hell of a lot of money. I'll go ahead and take that. Right. You know, you don't know what the McCarr deal looks like, but with the Shabbat deal today, if that could that coming in, 80 points in two seasons. Okay, say say Makar is truly this this historic figure, you know, who breaks all the norms of defenseman scoring for rookies and sophomores, and he puts up 100 points in two seasons. Yep. You're still not getting to 10 million. Boy, I think you might. Just I mean, given what you've already mentioned with the cap continuing to, ra- to rise. Yeah, that would be... The biggest factor, I think, is if the cap, if the cap rises six to eight million in the next two years, 
which would be an enormous leap. It would. Then, sure, maybe he gets to ten. But even then, okay, now you're at two. Now you're at two ten million dollar players, and both of them are worth every penny at that point. You're still, and you're still two years away from the big McKinnon deal, from the McKinnon extension. And I think there's there's two major points to make here. For one, in the right now, as you said, the Amps have fifteen million dollars in cap space right now. Mm-hmm. So even if you gave Ranton and Marner's contract on the nose, they'd still have roughly five million left. Compare that to Toronto. Toronto is currently using thirteen million dollars in long term uh, injured reserve space to yep. fit under the salary cap. So the it's just a completely different situation in how tight to the cap these teams are. The Avs simply aren't. Even after the Ranton and signing, they still have plenty of room to maneuver. And as you look at that into the future, every single competitive team that is really in the race for for playoffs and, and even cup contention has to manage their contracts in the offseason. Every offseason. Right. We saw it for years in Chicago where they had to move pieces around to keep their key ones, get value out of ELCs. Mm-hmm. This is just part of being a contending team. Right. And that's what makes the the Kadri, I'm sorry, Kadri. He told us that it was pronounced Kadri, and so I've got to work on this. Uh, the Kadri contract is great value, $4.5 for the next three years. And then that's when you hope to transition into the ELC of Alex Newhook. Exactly. And Jonas Donskoy, JT Comfer, those guys are locked in for the next four years. You don't have to worry about that. Andre Burakovsky, we don't know. Andre Burakovsky, Tyson Jost, we don't know. We don't know what those look like long-term. Maybe they're not long-term. You know, Colin Wilson, Matt Nieto, realistically, those guys are probably not coming back after this season. It's it's just the reality. You, When it comes down to that time, you aren't cutting out the big names because they're too expensive. You're right. cutting out the accessory pieces to make room for those big names. Right. It's the, the contracts that you stop bringing in from the outside are the Matt Calverts. Yep. Uh, the, the Ian Coles, you know, the Kevin Connaughton, the little over a million dollars to maybe be your eighth, eighth defenseman. Those are the deals that you just stop bringing in because you've run out of space. Pierre Edward Belmar, you know, fourth line, a fourth line specialty player. That's the stuff that you stop messing with when you're up against the cap and you're paying for all the star players and it's all that, you know, that's where you find uh, ELCs. That's where the ELCs, you find young players to fill those roles and do those jobs. And that's, that's how you sustain your success. And then when those guys end up getting to the end of those ELCs and then they want to be paid, that's when you move them. Right. That's, you know, that's how other teams have survived these, these cap. I mean, Pittsburgh, you look at Pittsburgh and Washington and, and Chicago, you know, and, and Los Angeles, these teams have been, were competitive. I guess LA obviously had their fall off, but LA was in there. They won two cups Yep, and they, they danced around the salary cap issues all the time because they had, the big star players that they were paying. That's and that's the thing is that you pay your stars. You pay your stars. You don't mess around with seven hundred thousand dollars here and there on on your star contracts. And all the the all the talk about okay, well, what about the Avs setting a bad precedent with Miko Rantanen? What precedent? 
Like who who's going to be the next guy to score 80 back-to-back 80 point seasons on his ELC on this team? Where's that coming? If it I mean and if it happens, that's the best kind of problem to have because you probably want to stand the cup. Right. I don't see how there's a precedent because Marner's already signed, you know, and well, and I mean the internal precedent of how you operate. But you need to operate within the market. The market has been set. So unless Ranton is wanting 13 million or something ridiculous, you have an easy comparable to say this is well within the norm. Right. And your your precedent operating internally that you worry about setting. You know, the the precedent right now that you're actually worried about is the one that they set with Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Because Ryan O'Reilly, you know, had a career year in the third year of his ELC. Now, that's a very different situation because O'Reilly went 26-26-55 in terms of points. And Colorado was like, well, we're not totally sold that the 55 was real. We had a bunch of injuries. We still have a lot of center depth. You know, they there were still a lot of things going on. There sure. were a lot of factors to to that. Get it? Factors? Because huh, he's a he's factor. <laughs> Nailed it. Anyway, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of circumstances that played into that contract negotiation. And unfortunately, it just doesn't just doesn't go their way. Right. And it just set up for the inevitable Ryan O'Reilly departure. And it kind of poisoned the well of that entire young group that was coming up together. It essentially wasted Eric Johnson's prime. Uh, you more or less wasted uh, Tyson Berry's prime. You know, you you got through the early part of Landis Cog's prime. Now he's in the last two or three years of it. Yep. You know, you're you that that was a precedent that you set, and now everybody is concerned about it repeating itself. And you know, as as much as I say, hey, it's it's different guys, different situations. And it was a long time ago. You do have to wonder, like this is a front office that is notoriously stubborn. They operate within a way that they believe is the way to operate. And they typically don't move off of that. But if you're not going to move off of that, to keep this group together, to keep a group together, that was one goal away from going into overtime of game seven of the second round last year the best the team has been in a decade. Right. The be- I mean, won around the first time that they'd won around in a decade. Yep. And is is significantly improved in my opinion over the summer. Yep. And is coming back and is deeper and more competitive and more set up to make a legitimate division run that in any point since Sackick was playing. And I know that they did win a division title in that time, but we all know that that was ultra fluky. This is the real thing. They've built a really, really, really good roster that's going to be really competitive. Now it's time to keep it together. Right. And that's the thing with Rantanen is is that you have to, you know, what what are you holding out? Okay, he starts missing games. Now you're now now you're you're hurting yourself on two angles here because now he's holding out, he's missing real games. You're losing his production. And this game of chicken can go one of two ways because he could get into the season and maybe Andre Burakovsky scores five goals in the first five games and Colorado, you know, goes four and one and Branton in is sitting around in Switzerland. Like, Oh boy, you know, 
maybe I'm not as important as I thought. Right. You know, or it goes the other way. Or it goes the other way. And Colorado goes one and four, and Andre Burakovsky is totally lost. And scores like has like one assist in those first five games. And then the abs are sitting there going, All right. I guess we have to pay yeah, him now. We've got it, we've got a fold. And then you fast forward to the to the end of the season. You missed the postseason by two points. Ranting in those first five games, and the abs probably make the playoffs. Ranted in those first five games, you absolutely one hundred percent roll the dice. You you feel good about your chances in making up those two points in those five games that you could have had him. Yep. As as you said, when you're talking about star players, there's no reason to haggle over 500k one way or the other. Get it done. It solves the problem. You don't present a bunch of problems for yourself that way. We can cap segment two here. If you are looking for other sporting events outside hockey, you guys have to head to Infinity Park the weekend of October 5th and 6th to check out the International Women's Rugby Sevens event, the World Wine and Spirits Festival, and eat delicious international food while listening to incredible bands. Infinity Park is the only U.S. stop for this rugby series, and teams from around the world are participating, including the USA, New Zealand, Canada, Japan, England, Ireland, Russia, Brazil, France, Fiji, Australia, and Spain. This series is crucial for athletes as they prepare for the 2020 Olympics. Guys, Rugby Sevens is a physically demanding game of speed, endurance, and intensity with some of the world's most talented athletes. If you're a sports fan of any kind, you'll be blown away and highly entertained watching these women compete. And what's even better is you'll be able to enjoy this with the entire family at an incredible price. Adult passes are only $20, and you receive another $5 off when you use code BSN5. Kids 12 and under are $10, and 3 and under are free for the entire weekend. You can taste over 50 varieties of wine and spirits on Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m. with your $50 festival pass, which includes the rugby games, and enjoy delicious food from around the world. Visit Infinity Park at Glendale.com for all your information and grab tickets. That's Infinity Park at Glendale.com. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast. We've been a lot Team Miko, Team why he deserves to get paid. (laughs) On the other hand, Three weeks ago, it sounded like they, the Avs and Rantanen, were fairly close to a number that both were comfortable with. Obviously, the Marner situation changed that, but if you're on the Avs side of things here, if you were close before, why shouldn't you stick to that? My my question for Miko would be, what is he trying to buy? Because what are you, what are you going to buy that you can't get at $57 million, which is nine and a half by six years that you can get with 63 million or whatever. Yeah. Six. Yeah. 63 million. So let's just go with 63 million. Sure. We'll say, well, that's, that's a a good gap, like $6 million. You know, that's, that's a big gap for teams. That's a million dollars a year. That's that's the difference. That's the difference between ten and a half and nine and a half over a six year deal. So what are you trying to buy, man? That yacht's gotta be twenty feet longer or what? Like, is that is that the difference between having a chef on the yacht or not? <laughs> right. 
Because if you if you're trying to hire a six million dollar chef, you're doing it wrong. I mean, I wouldn't mind trying that once if I didn't have to pay. But yeah. <laughs> you do not need to pay six million dollars for a chef, though. Definitely not six million dollars. But that's that's kind of the point from the av side of things. Is like, look, man, this is a boatload of money that we're backing up for you here. We're comfortable giving you fifty seven million dollars, and then. After six years, you'll still be 28 years old when that deal is up, and then you can turn around and we can just do it again. Make you another $57 million, and then your career is well over $100 million. Right. That's that's my question. My question is, is like, what are you fighting for here? And, I'm, and I am very, very pro player when it comes to guys getting their worth and getting paid. Their Their earning window is very, very small. And, you know, we see the athletes that were playing 20, just even 20 years ago. Yep. You know, when they were signing deals where people were, whose minds were blown. You know, oh my God, these guys are playing. This guy just signed a $3 million contract. That's unbelievable. You know, Miko Ranton is going to make $100 million in his career. Right. He just is. Do you have to make it all by the time you're 27? Hopefully not. You know, like what my, my, my real question would just be, what are, what is your priority here? What are you fighting for? Because the Stanley cup chase will be there whenever he shows up. This team will welcome him with open arms. The guys are going to be happy to give him back, get him back in the room. Everybody that I've talked to in that room understands, Hey, everybody has to take care of their business. They have to decide what they're worth. Everybody's got to be able to take care of themselves. Yep. But, you know, we're talking a guy like Matt Calvert, for example. You know, he, not a star player. Certainly not. You know, may not be, may not make too much more money beyond this current contract. Right. And yet you're talking about a guy that has, will have earned right in the range of $20 million when he's done. That guy's set. Yeah, that's more than enough. $20 million. If you can't make a lifetime out of $20 million, you've done something seriously wrong. Even with multiple kids. I I know college is expensive, but give me a break. Don't be Jack Johnson. Yeah, that's such a sad story. It really is. But that's the thing. Like, and hey, if a guy is Jack Johnson, you know that's you know, and a guy and a guy pilfers his money away on on poor decisions, then that's life, right? You know, that's hey, we all we all make those choices. But for Rantanen, it's realistically like you're going to be in the point oh one percent category of hockey players who are set for life. Yep, you're gonna make a hundred million dollars in your career pretty reliably you know he's big guy you don't have to worry about him breaking down and and suddenly being bad he's he should hold up through his prime just fine yep and this is this is just a question of and i'm and i'm not saying he's not worth ten and a half million dollars if the abs offered them that tomorrow and that's ultimately what they sign him for i don't have any issues with that RFAs have long gotten the shaft in terms of getting paid. Yes. You know, the, the system has always been broken and everybody just sort of went with it because that was just how it was where 
young players don't get paid. They they have elite production because we've seen aging curves. The real prime of a career is right now for Miko Ranton in the 21 to 25 range. You know, and some guys are able to extend their prime through more like 28, 29. But eventually it's going to slow down. And that's the the way that the system has always been has always favored teams. And so I think that's what fans are accustomed to and that's what they expect. And when you remove the fandom element of it, because you're rooting for a team, you're hoping for the team to get guys on fair deals that allow you to spend more money on other players elsewhere. You know, right now, Miko Rantanen doesn't need to be sitting there going, oh, I should take a little bit less for so so my teammates can can sign things. They have $15 million in cap space, bro. Right. You don't have to do that. And I'm not saying you have to absolutely push for every single dollar. But what are you fighting for here, realistically? Are you fighting over $10 million versus $10.3 million? Even if you're fighting over 9.5 versus 10, that's $3 million extra made over the life of a six-year deal. And I'm not going to say that that's a pittance. I'd certainly take $3 million over three years and or six years in a heartbeat. <laughs> sure, me too. For regular people, for all of us, it's we're like, I'm not going to fight over that. Right, exactly. 57 to 60 doing? million is, I wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> what are you doing? I will say, I know you said he doesn't need to be taking less money so his teammates can sign for more, but we brought it up. He's played his best hockey next to Nathan McKinnon. Yes, McKinnon is signed through the next four years, so that doesn't really apply. But if Rantanen wants to continue to be here, continue having that elite level center next to him, it's something to consider freeing up a, a dollar here, a dollar there doesn't hurt getting McKinnon signed. We've already talked about, you really do that through your, your accessory players, but with two players that have been connected so tightly around the league, maybe you see something there, but it's four years down the road. And again, like if he does a six year deal, there will only be two years of, Whatever he gives up so that they can sign McKinnon, you know, there will only be two years until he's got to redo this whole thing, this whole process anyway. You're right. 100%. We have seen, though, that he is not afraid to bet on himself. So maybe he bets on himself again there, gets to the end of that contract after six years with McKinnon and says, look, I'm a hundred point player now pay me a, a billion dollars and we'll call it a day. Yeah. And I, I get it. He, he's deserves what he's worth. Another side of this coin, Mike Liute, also an agent for Patrick Line. If one guy takes less, does his other client have to take less? It's kind of a situation like that. Line is, I think Line is the toughest RFA of, of the entire summer. Yeah. Just his career has just been so bizarre. It is a strange one for sure. You know, that finding a, a right price point for it. I think that's the, it makes the most sense. Do two years. Two years. I would, if I'm, if I'm Line and I'm the Jets, I think two years at seven and a half million is perfectly fair. So you wouldn't even put him in a comparable category. You'd do short-term and, and 
kind of a different situation. You know, coming off a 50 point season. Yeah. I just would. I, I mean, it's tough because he had such a strange year. Okay. And, and he had the majority of his production in the season came in one month. And it wasn't, and it, it wasn't like a small amount of it either. You know, it it was like he scored 30 goals on the season, right? And I think it was like 19 of them, 18 of them came in November. Mm-hmm. Where it was just, it was just such a strange, yet yeah, 19 of his 50 points came in November, 18 goals and one assist in 12 games. First of all, what? <laughs> that is an incredible month. 18 goals in 12 games in one month. But then he had 12 goals the rest of the season. You know, so you're but then you look at his total body of work and you see that he has 184 points in his first 3 years and you know, then then you look at at Miko. Miko has 209 points in his first 3 years. So I don't think that they're really comparable. Yeah. You know, Rantanen has the two best seasons. Line has the goal advantage uh, in that he had 36, 44, and 30. But even that, you know, Rantanen out, he had 31 goals last year. Yep. And Rantanen had more assists last year than Line had points. So with the way that the way that they were trending, you know, it, it just, I just don't view them as comparables at all. Whatever. I, I really don't. And given the way that things played out with that season, uh, with, with line a season, I think line a does. I think it's, it makes the most sense for him to take a bridge, take a two year deal and really rebuild that value over the next two seasons. Maybe one season you make a two year deal and uh, you, you do the thing with the higher qualifying offer at, you know, a, a $9 million qualifying offer. He goes out and he puts up 75 points. He scores 45 goals for you. And then you sign him to a long-term deal. Sure. Next summer, you know, and, and just get it done. You know, maybe all you need is the one year, but two years for financial security and all that, blah, 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 blah. But line a is just in a totally different situation where he's coming off a down season. He's coming off a season that raised more questions uh, and ranted in is coming off a season that I believe answered more questions. Yeah, I, I would say so. But I, I think the the point we always end up coming back to, regardless of what side you're on, whether it be the Avs wanting to get him under 10 or Miko wanting to get every penny that he's worth, it's time to get it done. Uh, whatever the cost, either way, someone's got to give. And and from Ranton inside, you know, he's still looking at it. Hey, it's two weeks to opening night. Yep. He's not worried about immigration. Right. But I will say that this time next week, he needs to be feeling it. And when they when they get on the ice and he starts missing paychecks, he will. Yeah. And that's always the thing that that in every sport has prompted most most players to cave is when they start missing paychecks. And look, Miko Rantanen is not set for life. Certainly not yet. Yeah. He has earned a grand total of $2.9 million in his career. This is not a dude who has, who could just take his ball and go home and just say, well, I don't need this. I'm, I'm set. 
that's what this contract is about is making sure that he's golden. If anything happens, it's a guaranteed deal. He gets paid. But again, are you really as a player? You know, I spent an awful lot of the last couple of days talking to abs players about winning a championship and why they're in Colorado and it all being bigger than one man. And everybody has to take care of the business side and the hockey side are two different things, but they ultimately are intertwined. You have to take care of the business side in order to get to play hockey. And he needs to get that done. This is a team and an organization with bigger goals. And right now you're fighting over you're you're holding your ground. I don't want to say fighting. You're holding your ground over a small enough amount of money overall relative to the size of the contract he's going to get. Six million dollars if say it's nine point five versus ten point five. And over a six-year deal, $6 million is not an irrelevant amount of money to anybody. But when you're talking about it being, you know, $57 million versus $63 million, give me a break. Nobody's feeling sorry for you, dude. Right. Like, you're not going to have anybody really on your side when it's when when you're like, oh, well, because because again, my point is is it always comes back to what are you gonna do with sixty three million dollars that you can't with fifty seven? Exactly. Let's let's wrap it up here. Final thoughts. When do you think this deal gets done? I honestly have no predictions on this. They were they were close enough two weeks ago where they were they were on the same page. They were feeling good about term. They were working their way towards a number that they were both comfortable with. And then the Marner thing kind of blew up in their face. And and the fact that Mike Leud is doing the rounds publicly is a bad sign. When the agent starts working through the media, it means he's not working through the team anymore. Right. And that's a bad sign. So I, I'm more pessimistic about this than at any point during this whole process. So there you go. Maybe some cause for concern. But we'll just have to wait and see on this one. I have to imagine it'll get done sometime, but that could be as late as December 1st. That would seem a little crazy to me. I imagine it gets done sooner than that, but you never know. We'll call it there as the players have their business to take care of in Ranton and getting himself signed. We also have some business to take care of as Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all of the remodeling stress and match the current trends that buyers most desire. Get this, there are zero up front costs from you, the homeowner. That's right. You won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of the costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has already done for homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from a fifteen to $60,000 more into their clients' pockets. Call 303 303- 885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission.